All right, guys, we're still in 2 Corinthians tonight. We're going to cover from verse 3 of chapter 6 through verse 1 of chapter 7. And I just love Paul. Uh, you know, it seems like every chapter you kind of got the same theme, which is just, you know, him just basically saying, listen, please, please, I'm begging you, please listen to me. I'm trying to tell you something that's really important, and it's, it's going to change your life. And he's just pleading with them. And if you, you looked over in verse 11, he says that with my, my heart wide open, it's like he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm giving you everything I have. You know, I'm bearing my soul to you. I, I, I'm leaving it all on the line. I'm just, I so desperately want you to see this Christ that I know so well. And, uh, you know, I had Spencer, he was going to sing two songs tonight, but he was being a servant today, helping out uh, John and, and Tammy move, and I'm proud of him for that. So I let him off the hook. I listened to one song. He's like, thank you, Dad. But I wanted him to sing a song um, by Chris Tomlin, and that, the song says that, that with heart wide open, I lay me down. My life is not my own. And that's what we know Paul felt about his life. He just, he said it, obviously, in his words, right? He wrote these words that we've been bought with a price. You know, I'm not my own. He knew that. Everything about his life was for, for Christ and for others. And uh, if you look here, even in this chapter, and, and starting in that verse 3, he starts it off. This is probably why he starts it off the way he does there in verse 3. Take a look. It says, we put obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry you know he's, he said this before too right? we've looked at it. it's like I don't want to I don't want to do anything that's going to cause you anything any trouble I don't want to put any obstacle in your way nothing that would even remotely keep you from Christ you know I don't want to be a stumbling block never uh, the ESV Bible in the notes I thought it summarized it well so I just want to read it to you it says Paul was willing to do most anything to make sure he gave no obstacle to anyone. He was willing to forgo his salary as a minister of the gospel. He was willing to allow others to be more prominent, putting others first. He was willing to work hard and endure hardship. He was not afraid to offend anyone over the gospel, but he would not allow his life to offend. That was Paul, right? I love studying about Paul. He would just never do anything to keep you from God. Something we should all aspire to. It's just something I think about every single day of my life is I just don't want to ever be an impediment to someone following Christ in my life. And then if you look in the starting in verse four through verse ten, almost as and he's done this before in other other chapters and other other books, it's almost as now he's going to give you his resume to kind of prove to you. He he wants to tell you about his life as as almost an attempt to prove. And he starts that there. In uh, verse 4, I want to read it to you. It goes through verse 10. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet 
possessing everything. A few things I want you to note in, in that little resume that Paul gave there. First is Paul is telling you, listen, we're a servant of Jesus no matter the circumstance. We're a servant of Jesus no matter the circumstance. Note what he does there. It's kind of it's interesting. In, in the first part, he's like saying, listen, we're a servant uh, even if it's just related to enduring the trials of life. Just the difficult things, the afflictions, the hardships, the calamities. Things that we just have no control over. Sometimes just bad things happen. You know, you're in the wrong place in life sometimes. You know, maybe you just got caught up in a bad situation. He's like, through that, we serve God. Through that, we serve God. Or maybe it's, it's things that were directed at you by others. Maybe people that are coming against you. He talks about that through beatings, imprisonments, riots. You know, sometimes you find yourself in a bad place because somebody's done something to you. You know, maybe, maybe it was a bad childhood or a bad marriage or, you know, a bad job, bad situation. I was just talking to someone and counseling them about a bad situation with a church where they've been hurt by a church. You know, sometimes you just are on the receiving end, right? And even through that, Paul's saying, listen, I still, I still am a servant. Okay, we commend ourselves. Our resume still shows and proves that we serve God. Okay, sometimes it is self-inflicted. You know, it's a, it, it, he talks here about uh, in hunger. That if you look at it in other translations, it would be fasting. He's just talking about the things that we did. You know, the things that we, for, for our, in our own situation, that we created. It was still hard, he's saying. You know, sometimes we do that too, right? I mean, it may not be fasting, but, you know, I know in my life I've, I've made tons of bad decisions and lots of times I'm just thinking, man, you know, I brought this on myself. You know, I brought this on myself, but even when I brought it on myself, I'm still trying to serve God through it, still trying to push through it. You know, so many times we make mistakes, you know, addictions or whatever it might be, and, and yet, you know what, we still, Paul's saying still, I'm pushing through. I'm pushing through. I'm a servant of God. Look at what else, the number two thing he does there. He tells you, listen, I got all I need. I got all I need to make it through this. I've got, I've got the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit that he lists there, patience, kindness. I've got the Holy Spirit, and, I, and I've got the weapons. He says there, I've got the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. God's fully equipped me to, to be his servant. He's fully equipped me to be his servant. And here's the last one, the, the great one, I think. And, and I do this no matter what the world thinks of it. You know, whether the world understands or not, whether they appreciate it or not, okay, whether they, they accept it or not, it doesn't matter. That's really what he's doing in that last few verses there, starting in verse 8. He's, he's, he's basically comparing what God believes and what God sees in him and what the world does. He says, through honor and dishonor. You know, the world doesn't think much of him, but God does. Through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true. As unknown, maybe unknown by the world, and yet we're well known by God. As dying, but behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. That's a pretty good resume, isn't it? That's a pretty good resume. Possessing everything. There were some pretty good resumes too, wasn't there on that video tonight? The mom resumes. 
I thought that was pretty special to see and watch what your kids say about you. I know uh, I'll, uh, I'll give some credit and praise to, to Aaron. I know around our house all the time I've heard them say it and not these exact words, but our kids will always say, Mom, all you do is read the Bible, pray, and tell us about Jesus. I'm like, you do that, you'll be a good mom. You'll be a good mom you do that. And, that. and I'll tell you, by the way, that's true in our house. All she does is pray, read the Bible, and tell them about Jesus. So we love it. But it started me thinking when I was going through uh, tonight, it started me thinking about this, and I was reading Paul's resume. I started asking myself, you know, what does my resume look like? What does our resume look like? Because we all have one, you know. You've heard the old saying, if they put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough to convict you? Right? I mean, this is a similar question. You know, what does your resume look like? And I came up, I put them on your table with just some questions, you know, to maybe help think about what our resume looks like. And I just I started writing them down. First one that came to mind is just, would you consider yourself a servant of God? I mean, would you consider yourself a servant of God? Or, or better yet, would you consider yourself a follower of Jesus? That's the real question, isn't it? Are you a follower of Christ? I talk often about Kyle Adelman's book, Not a Fan. I know, Robert, you've read it. It's a great book. It says, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower? Do you like him or are you willing to do whatever it takes for him? It's a big difference. Do you wake up every day thinking about serving God, serving others, being a witness, sharing the gospel, discipling others? I mean, is that the first thing that comes to mind when you hit the floor in the morning? That's what going through your mind is, man, i got to get to my quiet place. i gotta, I got to get along with God. i got to figure out how today I'm going to be a servant of God. Or is your life mainly about you? You know, is everything you're thinking about wrapped around your life? You know, how, how I'm going to be impacted, what I need to do for me today. Easy to do, isn't it? I mean, it's easy just to think about yourself. You know, I've said it before in here, you know, Two great commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love others as you love yourself. You know, a lot of people struggle with that loving others as you love yourself, especially people that are going through difficult times. They'll say, I don't love myself, but you exchange the word serve in there. You serve yourself, everybody. We all do, don't we? Even if you don't like yourself, you'll serve yourself. Always. Always. Easy to do. Selfishness, just kind of ingrained in us. You know, you got to learn. You got to just do it through discipline. And maybe some other questions. Are you willing to do this? If you answer yes to a bunch of those, are you willing to do it no matter the cost or the circumstance? Not just when it's easy. When the trials of life hit, and maybe it's just, you know, and it just feel sorry for yourself. I mean, that's, that's kind of the natural reaction, isn't it? Why me? Talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm telling you, I could be the worst at this. I can get pretty depressed and just start feeling sorry for myself. Wondering why, why things are the way they are, you know, instead of just trusting God. Or what about when somebody comes after you? That's really hard, isn't it? When you're being attacked by somebody, you know, coming after you. Hard, isn't it, not to retaliate? Man, it's just you just want to so bad, you know, but to love them, that, that's hard. Forgive them, really difficult. Something else I struggle with in my life. I got people in my life I probably still struggle with this. 
You know, or, or what about those times again when it's self-inflicted? We all do it. We all make mistakes. Some of them are worse than others. You know, but you know, it's what happens to you in the midst of those self-inflicted wounds is really what matters. I mean, are you are you running to God or away from God? You know, and ultimately, I think you know. I didn't put it on there, but ultimately, my question would be: Is you know, do people see Jesus in you? You know, to put it in the context of what we're preaching in the service, do they see his story in your resume? You know, do they see his story in your resume? They're great questions, right? I mean, you could study on those and it would help in, put in perspective how you're living your life. And I know there's probably some in here that would say, you know, listen, my resume's not been that good. You know, my resume... It's got a lot of gaps in it, a lot of problems with it. Maybe even thinking, I don't know that I could ever do that. You know, maybe it's not as bad as Jared was talking about tonight, the Canaanite woman. Maybe it's not that bad, but you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can ever have a Paul-like resume. I've just made too many mistakes. Well, I promise you, that's not right. That kind of thought process comes straight from Satan. Straight from Satan. See, God doesn't... Demand perfection out of you. You know, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. You know what God expects? Same thing out of that Canaanite woman. Brokenness. Humility. Faith, right? That's what God expects. Faith. Whatever comes and whatever the cost. Whatever comes and whatever the cost. One of my favorite Bible verses is Luke 14, 28, which basically says, before you begin, count the cost. I just love that. I don't know why, but just just puts it in perspective for me is that, you know, this isn't all fun and games and it's not all easy. You know, I think it's uh, obviously it's intentional, but I think it's very relevant. I know it was for the Corinthian church. I, I think it is for us today that everything Paul lists on his resume is really difficult circumstances. He didn't talk about all the highlights when it was really, really good, right? I think it's intentional, obviously, and it's very meaningful for this church, remember in Corinth, where they kind of equated everything to, to the good life. We do, a, we do that too, right? I mean, even in our own individual lives and as the bigger body of the church, I mean, we sometimes tend to think that, you know, if, if things are going good, then that equates to the favor of God. You know, that you're in the will of God if things seem to be running smoothly in life. And maybe if things aren't good, it's like, what did I do wrong? Again, natural. I go through the same thing, you know. Times aren't good, so I must not be doing this right. I must not be where God wants me to be because I'm walking through hell. You know, easy to think that way, isn't it? Start doubting. Start doubting your faith. But, you know, it just couldn't be further from the truth. Some of the greatest joy, some of the greatest favor will come in the greatest difficulties. I promise some of the greatest joy and the greatest favor will come in the greatest difficulties. I mean, I really can't find a better example of this than someone we all know, Chase Sims. You know, I was talking, I called Chase this week just to get his thoughts on this very part of my lesson tonight. I said, Chase, what do you think about this? You're, you're suffering from cancer. 16 months into, you know, that fateful day when they got the call that said you had a baseball-sized tumor in your brain. Would you agree with this? Would you agree with what I'm saying? That sometimes the greatest joy and the greatest favor comes in the, in the greatest suffering? 
because I know Chase is still suffering. He wrote back and I told him to put it in writing for me. He said, Scott, I agree 100%. He says, my heart has never been so full and fiery for the things of God. My walk with Jesus has never been more life-giving than it has been the last 16 months. And at the same time, there are nights when the emotional weight of sickness is still intense and scary. But those emotions deepen my joy because they drive me more deeply into God's word and allowed me to taste his mercies more perfectly. Mm. It makes me almost cry to read it. Just to see, you know, in the midst of just terrible, you know, fear and suffering, just, you know, seeing God for who he is. He's got him there for a reason, you know. I walked with Mike Fessner for the entire time he had cancer, and I guarantee I've asked, I asked him several times, Mike, you know, if you had to go back, man, would you, you know, if you didn't have to bear this burden, would you? Multiple times he said, no way. No way. The opportunities God has given me, he would tell me, because of cancer, I would have never, ever, ever gotten. He didn't want to be dying, that's for sure, but God was using him in the joy and the favor that he received during that time. Now, Chase did say, and I quote, be sure that everyone knows to listen with grace because the guy I'm quoting only has half a brain, so... I don't know what that means. Maybe he thinks he's not right. I don't know. But the ultimate prayer of faith, I think about this all the time too, is God use me no matter what. God use me no matter what. Isn't that the ultimate prayer? I mean, it's kind of scary to even say. I mean, if you believe God the way I believe God, that's kind of scary actually. God use me no matter what. I mean, that could mean some really bad things. I recognize that. I've been through those bad, tough times, and I'd rather not go through them again. But I know that that may be God's plan for my life. And it's in those times when you've you got to be like Paul. You've got to be the servant, right? That's the ultimate prayer. That's what I want to be able to pray in my life is, God, use me no matter what. Use me no matter what. Now, ultimately, why do you think Paul's given him his resume? Why, why do you think he feels it's, it's so necessary so many times in the New Testament to give his resume? He does it in other places in the Bible. Why do you think that is? Credibility, credibility. absolutely. Wanted to earn the right. Wanted to earn the right. Show him what could happen, yeah, if you follow God, no question. He definitely wanted to, to build up credibility. You know, he wanted to, them to say, listen, I can trust this guy. He, he walks the walk. You know, I was watching, I've watched it several times, a movie called The Other Side of Heaven. And don't get too freaked out. Uh, it's about a Mormon missionary, but I didn't even know it was a Mormon missionary until the very end of the movie uh, when they give the credits and tell you that it's about a true story. Uh, it's really about a missionary that's over-serving, uh, and his name is John Groberg. In the 1950s, he went to the Tongan Islands to serve as a missionary. And when he got there, it's a great movie, when he got there, they hated him. I mean, they just hated him. <laughs> they didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. There was this elder religious leader there that was him 30 years later, and he, he thought he was just a bad guy, and he didn't want anybody to listen to him. He tried to sabotage him. They just didn't like him. 
You know, and he was this humble servant that was there just trying to do his job. And, and when he got there, he, he really immersed himself in, in the culture. And, you know, he started trying to do things like learning the language. And, and there's one part in the movie, he's sitting out there on, by the water, and, and he's got the Bible in, in Tonganese and, and in English, and he's reading the whole Bible. So he, he memorizes the Bible in their language. Why? Because he wanted to earn the right. He wanted to earn the ride. He, he would eat their food, and you know, it's kind of funny that the sign in that culture, if you liked the food, is you had to, to burp at the end of the meal. And if you didn't burp at the end of the meal, it was, it was offensive to the cook. So every time they'd walk out, the kids liked that part. <laughs> he endured the elements. He would sleep, and he, he didn't know initially that you had to have socks on when you slept because he slept with his socks off, and, and these leeches would get on his feet. There's one part in the movie where they're pulling him off of his feet. He's screaming in agony. Uh, there's another part where he got, he got uh, thrown overboard out into the ocean because he was, didn't know how to, how to maneuver the ship. So he was abandoned out at sea. They finally got him. It's a great part of the movie, too. They're out there, and for part of it, they're in this dead sea. They're, they're not moving. They've got, they're in a sailboat, and after about a day and a half, one of them says, uh, one of the two guys on the boat is like, you know, I've just been sitting here thinking, I've been praying for two days uh, for an easterly wind. He said, I've just started thinking about it. How many people out here must be praying for a westerly wind? He said, I know what the answer is now. I'm just going to pray for the right wind. I love that part in the movie. And then there was a hurricane that came through. This is based on a true story. A hurricane came through, almost destroyed the island, wiped out everything. They didn't have food because they had to get their food from a ship that would come in. And lots of people were dying of starvation, dehydration. And this missionary, John, got to the point where he was almost dead. He was about to die. And that elder, that elder minister that was there, came to him and gave John his last food. And later we find out that that elder minister died. But the reason he gave his food to John is because he knew that he was old. And he wasn't going to be around much longer. And he wanted this young servant of God to be there on that island. He earned the right. You know, he, just, he did it right. And that movie just sticks in my heart is that, you know, he trusted him. This guy that hated him in the beginning, in the end, he trusted him and he believed in him. Do you think this is important for us today to do this? I mean, is it important for us to earn the right for the people in our lives? To live the, the kind of life, this kind of a resume, to earn the right? Yeah? Couldn't be more important than it is today, I wouldn't think. You know? Couldn't be more important. Um, I'll tell you a, a, a little quick, another quick little story. And I'll tell you this, you, you know my heart, so you know it's not about me. But um, one of my business partners this past couple of weeks ago was up visiting some offices in another state. And there's a... There's a doctor there that he was visiting with. It's a doctor that I know well, someone that we're recruiting for a business. And he's a strong believer. Just came back from the Philippines on a mission trip. He's just a, just a wonderful guy, this doctor. And he and I have had a lot of times of prayer. He'll call me every few days just to get me to pray for him. And when my partner comes back from Ohio, uh, I get a call from this doctor. He's like, Scott, I just want to encourage you today. And it was at a time when I really needed some encouragement. So I just want to encourage you today. He said, I spent time with your partner for the last couple of days. And, I, you know, we were sitting and having dinner. And he said to me, he said, he said Dr. Uh, Rivera is his name. He said, Dr. Rivera, 
He said, listen, you know, that Scott, he said, I don't, I don't really believe everything he believes. He's a little fanatic for me, but I will tell you, that's a compliment. I took that as a compliment. He said, he's a little fanatic for my taste, but I'll tell you one thing about Scott. He walks the walk. He walks the walk. And then he went on to say, yeah, and he's also a pretty good businessman. And what he meant by that is just that, listen, he doesn't compromise, you know, doing his job. He doesn't compromise being good at what he is, but he walks the walk. Just made my whole day. You know why? Because it just gives me the right. Just reminds me that people are watching all the time, all the time. So it just gives me the right to, to, to be able to tell him, yeah, you, you know, this Jesus is a good guy. This being a fanatic is not all bad. If he didn't see that, I wouldn't have that right. There's no way I could talk to him with any credibility. But he knows what I believe. He sees it. I hope he does every day. I try my best to live it out. And it's really what it's all about, isn't it? Is other people seeing Jesus through you. And then here in these final verses, uh, starting in kind of verse 14 there, um, these verses here, these last few verses, some of the most, I think, probably misinterpreted scripture in the Bible, but these verses are really about staying focused on God, okay? Not compromising the truth, staying aligned with God. That's really what they're about. Let's take a look at them. You're you're familiar with this first one, I promise. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Bela? That's Satan. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them. I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So you've got to think about the context here, okay? In, in, in this church, you had a lot of people that were siding against Paul. There were a lot of false prophets during this time, and there were people that were, that were joining, if you will, hearts. That's what yoked means. They were joining hearts with these false prophets and coming against Paul. That's really what was happening here. That's why he says that, that what accord has Christ with Satan? They don't go together, right? And then he says that what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Uh, the temple of God and idols don't go together. That's what he's saying. The, don't be aligned against God. Stay focused on God. That's really his point. And these verses here in um, 16, 17, and 18, those are all uh, quotes from the Old Testament. This is, this is kind of great here, great theology. They're all, they're all from the Old Testament, from Leviticus and, and Isaiah and Ezekiel and 2 Samuel. They're all promises, if you will, that God made to the people of Israel. And what's really great about this is, is that in verse 7 there, Paul makes it clear, since we have these promises as well. Very important. He's basically saying that, listen, these promises that God gave to the, to the nation of Israel, they're for us too. They're for us too. They're for the chosen people. The, the New Testament church gets the benefit of this as well. And, and what's he saying? That I'm going to dwell amongst you. I'm going to be your God. We know that in 1 Corinthians 3, that's 
Paul tells us that, that we're a temple, right? And the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. So his whole message in this really is remain holy. Whatever you do, remain holy. Don't forget to stay focused on God. It's, just, it's kind of the continuing message he's had. Don't, don't side against God. Don't get joined by the heart with someone against God. At the end of the day, it's, kind of, it's really a heart condition is what it is. It's a heart condition. You know, talk about Mike again, just mainly because he was such a great mentor in my life. And Mike used to always say, Scott, if, if you're hanging around them, if you're with people that are, are not believers, okay, so the real test will be, do you start becoming more like them or are they more like you? You know, do you start becoming more like them or do they start becoming more like you? That's really what all of this is about. I mean, we use this equally yoked, and the, probably the, the, the most applicable we, we do know is marriage, right? And it's true, because the Bible does say about marriage that two, two lives are joined together. Two people become one. So we know that that's biblically joining together. But it gets a lot harder when you get outside of that, because we must be a part of the world, right? You've you got to be in the world, but not of the world, right? We have to be. I mean, it, if you never, ever had any dealings with, with the world, you're not going to be impactful for Christ. I mean, that's why we're still here. I mean, the whole reason that, that we're still here today is to be in the world and, 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 and bringing them to Jesus. But you've got to be careful, though, right? You've got to be on guard. And that's really what he's saying. He's saying guard your heart and guard your witness. And never forget that the God of the universe, if you're a Christian, dwells inside of you. That's really what he's saying. Be holy. That's what I love, love about Paul. Maybe we've just taught so much Paul, but man, I'm just, just what a great example. What a great resume. Paul was always about serving God and serving others. I mean, if you think about it, you study his life, serving God and serving others. I can tell you, that's, that's what I want my life to be about. Serving God and serving others with a heart wide open. Just leaving it all out there. And I, and I never want to be thought of as being joining hearts with someone against, against God. I know that for sure. It sounds awful to me, to be honest with you. you know, but also remember, it's never going to be, you know, hey, I'm just going to basically sign an oath like they wanted them to do on uh, God's Not Dead 2 that just says, you know, I'm against God. That's really not what it's going to look like, right? It's not going to be, you know, just a flashing, I'm against God. no. It's not. It's not going to be that. It's, you know, what it's going to be is it's going to be a friend or a family member or a co-worker. You know, and then it's going to involve an idol or maybe a veil, something that separates you from God. And then over time, it's going to become more important to you than God. And then when that happens, if you're not careful, okay, you're going to find yourself becoming more and more like them Instead of them, like you. All of a sudden, your heart will be joined and you will be yoked. So you always got to be on guard. It's, it's really rarely the red lights that give us a problem. It's kind of those yellow ones. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the solid line versus the dotted line. I was reading recently about, you know, there's some sins that are just solid line sins. You can't do it. And then there's some that are those dotted lines. It's always the dotted lines, isn't it, that gives us trouble. But boy, those are, the, those are the dangerous ones. Be careful for the yellow lights, the dotted lines, because that's where you get in trouble. 
you start crossing those and it feels more and more normal. You know, more and more just acceptable. Before you know it, your, your heart's joining. And, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, man, how did I get so far away from God and maybe even against God? Maybe even against God. It's a hard thing to look at your life and think about it in these terms, or at least it is for me, but just a great question, I think, to always continue to ask ourselves, you know, what's our resume look like? Are we a credible witness? Do we have standing, you know, for the people that we're around when they look at us and say, hey, that person's walking the walk. And maybe a good way to look at it is, is, you know, if you were on that island, you know, would that elder give you his food? You know, would he say, listen, I got to get that food over to him or her because that's our only hope. That's the only hope to keep spreading the gospel. Or would he keep it himself knowing that it would just be wasted if he gave it to you? I mean, in my life, I sure hope I'm that guy that he wants to give the food to. I want to be that person that he's got confidence in and is going to continue to go out and live a life, an example that, that leads people to Christ, not away. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for uh, this day. Father, thank you for the way you love us, for, for your abundant grace. We know, Lord, that um, none of this is possible in our own strength. We need the grace of God just to fill our lives. So for each of us, Lord, I pray for humility and brokenness. Lord, for faith, God, that endures through any circumstance, whatever comes our way and whatever the cost. God, I pray that in whatever season we're in in life, I pray, Lord, that we would just Lord, see your favor, experience your joy. Lord, I pray that we would just serve you no matter, no matter what's going on in our life. Lord, give us strength. God, as we chase after you, Lord, reveal yourself to us. Lord, show us your glory. Word promises that we'll continue to see your glory as we run after you. So, God, I pray this week, Lord, in each of our lives, Lord, you'll show us the magnitude and the greatness of our God. In Jesus' name, amen.